This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bhandari from OrthoEvidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Hello, this is Dr. Mark Swinkowski, JBHS Editor-in-Chief. With me is my partner, Dr. Peter Cole, Chief of Orthopedics at Regents Hospital in St. Paul and member of our University of Minnesota Department of Orthopedic Surgery. Peter has graciously agreed to share his memories of Dr. Michael Ehrlich, who served as a key mentor for Peter and multiple other trainees for many decades. Dr. Ehrlich was a orthopedic surgeon and researcher who served as professor and chair of the Department of Orthopedics at Brown University for a number of years. He passed away on July 21st, 2018. And having been a visiting professor there at Brown, I have personally seen the overwhelming influence of Dr. Michael Ehrlich, uh, who passed away several years ago. And uh, since I, I know for a fact that Dr. Ehrlich had a big impact on Peter Cole's development, I wanted to just chat with you, Peter, about what Dr. Cole meant to you. So maybe you could just tell me, when, when's the first time you, you met Dr. Ehrlich? Well, to be honest, Mark, I, I met him in 1990 when I went to Brown uh, University out of the University of Miami Medical School as a prelim uh, resident because I very much wanted to get into orthopedic surgery. I did not get into orthopedic surgery, and so I wanted to return to my uh, homeland, if you will, in New England, and so I moved to Providence to go to Brown for a prelim year. And so I was very focused on figuring out how to get into an orthopedic program, particularly there uh, at Brown, if I could. Uh, Dr. Ehrlich at that time had just come from Harvard. He was the chief right. of pediatrics under Henry Mankin. And so he was a relatively new chair at that time in 1980. I think he, had, he was in his second year. Uh, just beginning to make a name for himself in the community in Providence. Right. And one of the things that was, that I guess, still is a, is a uh, imprint of his influence on the program is a, a very important uh, emphasis on research. Uh, you subsequently did your residency there at uh, Brown, and maybe you could just speak a little bit about how that overwhelming pedestal of research uh, that Dr. Ehrlich uh, really overlaid the program with had, had an influence uh, on you. Sure. Well, you know, there are three things maybe I could say that touch on exactly what, what you're getting at. Uh, the first time, and it gets back to the first time I met him, you know, I, I sought to get to know this guy because I, I, I would need to, to be able to try to get into the program. And so 
I set up a meeting uh, in his office. He uh, took the meeting and I walked into the office and he looked at me and said, so who are you? What do you want? And uh, I explained, I was uh, Peter Cole. Where are you from? University of Miami. So right there, you know, I mean, he was uh, steeped in the Ivy League. He went Mm -hmm. to Dartmouth. He was a professor at Harvard for many years. He was from Brooklyn, New York, so he didn't really mince many words. And uh, and then, of course, he was at Brown. And so University of Miami, he kind of chuckled and uh, he said, well, what what makes you think that you would be a candidate for a program here? And I just explained, well, you know, I love orthopedics. I have uh, done a lot in leadership and uh, and I I'm an athlete and uh, I like to learn and work hard. No one will outwork me. I uh, assured him of that. And uh, so he said, do you have a do you have a CV? I handed him a CV and he looked at it for he flipped flipped through the three or four pages. And he said, uh, Cole, this uh, this isn't the Boy Scouts. Uh, and, uh, he said, what, what, what position did you play in baseball anyway? Well, I, I played the hot corner, sir. And, uh, so third base, huh? Okay. Well, I like third baseman. So early on, you know, he, he, he tried to, to impress upon me that, uh, I, I didn't have very much research in my background. I had done one case report in medical school, but, uh, you know, that he has people trying to get in from all around the country, uh, future Nobel laureates and and people with NIH grants. And, you know, what what could I how could I possibly help the program? Well, you know, to be honest, um, I get uh, relatively um, motivated by those types of interactions. And so um, the, the game was on. Mm-hmm. So that was the first experience I had with Dr. Ehrlich. And then the next thing I would say is that I ended up getting into the program by the grace of God. And he would meet with the residents every morning at six o'clock, every weekday morning. He would drive down from Concord, New Hampshire, uh, to, from Concord, Massachusetts to, to Providence, meet us in the cafeteria. And every morning, all the residents in the program sat around the table, had breakfast while he would, uh, while he would pimp the residents. And he would always start with the juniors, the interns, and then work up to the uh, PGY2s and then on through the chiefs as he escalated the difficulty of questions. And frequently the questions were around pediatric orthopedics or around tumors or basic science because he was a basic science researcher. But it was incredibly motivating to literally for six years, because we had this super chief program where a year of research was built into the residency. It was very motivating to get together with a leader who put his own life on the table to the extent that when whenever he was in town, which was most of the time, he would meet us at six in the morning for half an hour before we went to uh, to x-ray rounds. And uh, it was a meeting that you got ready for. You read for, there was some uh, fear involved and you did your work to uh, be ready for the topic of the day. I remember on the way out of that meeting, him telling me that, you know, if you 
are interested, he told the residents, if you're interested in doing a project, I will pay all the expenses for you and your spouse for uh, any research project that you get accepted to a national meeting. And so again, it was game on. And I uh, started a project with him, management of the completely stiff pediatric knee. These were five horrendous, ridiculous cases that, uh, uh, that, that uh, he had done. I was involved in a couple of the operations and got my paper accepted at the academy. And it was in the experience of a lifetime as a PGY2 to go to the American Academy and present a, a, a paper at the podium and have people like Dror Paley uh, stand up and attack it. And, uh, and Erla came up to me and said, that was great. You did great. And so it was the carrot to all expenses paid to Disney World uh, for me and my wife, and then the affirmation of victory. So all of a sudden, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to get projects and abstracts together for literally every single meeting, every single year. And, uh, and that was a, a, a big hook for me yeah. for research, a little bit of the competitive thing and the desire to answer questions and just the inspiration from an incredible mentor who put his money where his mouth was. Well, that's great. So obviously his own personal investment in trainees is there as a motivator, big emphasis on research, or what were some of his uh, personal characteristics, his style, if you will? Because I, 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 I do know, since I also attended your daughter's wedding, that he was a special guest there. So you obviously became close to him. So what, what were some of those uh, characteristics? Well, he absolutely loved his residents. He was like a father. Um, he uh, would do anything for his residents, but he expected a standard which was really high. He expected you to be the first one there and the last one to leave uh, every day. He set that example for everybody. He was extremely dedicated to his patients. He had a pediatric practice of patients from all over the country. I presume a lot of them followed him from Harvard, but most of his patients were from other states. And he would spend an hour with each patient and uh, go through the examination and spend time with the parents and and, and, and the parents and the families, the kids, they just adored him. There was nothing like doing the pediatric rotation with Dr. Ehrlich. Um, so I loved his residents. Uh, his, his patient care drove his, uh, his, his love for education and, and even research. Uh, and, and you could tell that it was all connected, that he believed uh, a better researcher or a researcher makes a better clinician, an educator makes a better clinician. And he wrapped it together in his, his career. I mean, he was a multi Kappa Delta award winner, very successful NIH lab with multiple PhDs. And, and you know he built this extra year, the super chief year into the Brown residency, which required us to do um, three rotations, a three, a three, and a six month throughout the residency so that 
he wanted residents to get into their top choice of fellowship. And for the most part, we did uh, because of the groundwork that he um, laid. You know, some other um, fun things about Dr. Ehrlich, he, you know, he, he would always talk about his family. His wife and his two, two boys were, were a part of so many conversations and he would, he would talk about them so affectionately. And it's, it's sort of a, you know, you would think that as a workaholic, he didn't know his family. It wasn't like that at all. He had a macabre uh, sense of humor. So he, he would always point out to the residents when they got a question wrong that, uh, that there was a greater than 50% chance of them getting it wrong uh, in, a question, in a question that had a yes or no answer. He was a sailor. He was an infamous sailor. You know, everyone talked about uh, the uh, near disaster uh, sailing uh, excursions that he would uh, take in the, the, the Vineyard Haven and, and Martha's Vineyard Sound. Uh, he had a, a boat that he kept on the water up in the Cape. Uh, and, uh, and, and I never got to uh, go on a, on a sailing trip with him, but I was uh, told by many people that I wouldn't want to. Uh, <laughs> And so a lot of jokes about that, but he, he loved the ocean, loved the water. You know, as you said, he was uh, so kind to stay in touch. He was very proud of his residents that went on to do academic things. And so for 25 years, you know, we, we stayed in close touch. And, you know, I'm very fond of this photograph, which was the, the last photograph that I took with him, which is at my daughter's wedding, as you alluded to. But I just pulled it up because I, uh, whoop, it doesn't come out there on the, yeah. on the, uh, but I can send those to you. He always wore a bow tie. And of course he did it. The, uh, that was one of his, uh, signature, uh, aspects of his out, outfit. So it's a little bit about the, uh, the, the personal attributes of Dr. Ehrlich that were endearing to me. So the final uh, question I have for you is how do you think he would prefer to be remembered? by by his trainees, by his patients, maybe by his family even. Yeah, you know, as brilliant a researcher as he was and as thematic as that was in his practice. And he also told me another interesting thing about, re, you know, he said that 95% of the projects that residents and people start in research end up by the railroad tracks as collateral damage because no one bothers to finish them. Hmm. And I learned that 95% of getting of the energy it takes to get a research project done is in the last 5% of the paper. Hmm. And that was true. But as important as research was to him, he was resident first. He just lived for being a chairman. And he was a, a chairman until almost until the time he, he passed away. And I think that his dedication specifically to residency training was as important as as anything he did. But, you know, he had very strong sense of family values and he was a researcher to the core. He taught us how to define a problem, develop a hypothesis, and then create a methodology to try and uh, discover, you know, the, the answers to important questions that would help to advance medicine. Now, 
Well, Peter, I, uh, I greatly appreciate you spending the time to uh, uh, tell me and the listeners to this how uh, Dr. Ehrlich uh, influenced your own very, very successful research and leadership career. He obviously played a role in uh, your success. And to, to share that personal connection with uh, others, I think, is very valuable. So I'll let you head off to surgery and uh, express my appreciation for your taking the time to do this. Yeah, thank you very much, Mark. That was great. It's a, okay. it's a great honor. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.